Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. You've got to know the numbers. You've got to know them upside, inside, every which way. And you've got to feel very, very comfortable. And if you're not good at it, then by all means, get someone who is. Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com, and in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the Best Ever Conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. What's this today? Peter Knobloch. How you doing, Peter? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your show. Appreciate yeah. it. My pleasure and looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Peter. He's a third generation real estate investor. He's got an experience in a lot of different areas of commercial real estate, including multifamily, office space, hotels, restaurants, and sporting clubs based in San Diego, California. So with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, I'm a New Englander by birth. My parents are both from New York. My dad brought us out here because of the Navy. He's a Navy pilot. And so I've been in San Diego since I was about four years old. So I could say I was raised here and really love living here in San Diego. It's wonderful. I was very fortunate to marry my high school sweetheart. We have six children and they're all absolutely wonderful and six grandkids. I have an MBA in finance and international business. I started out my career at an investment firm and the principal asked me to take charge of Finding multifamily apartments for syndication, we catered to a high net worth individual. We had a captive pool of investors, and within about a little over a year, we acquired seven properties at a gross value of about $14 million, 343 doors, and we raised somewhere between 3 and $4 million in equity, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I did everything from basically the cradle to the grave, from finding the property all the way to working with our attorneys to do the private placement memorandum and 
in the subscription agreements, and it was a lot of fun. And then I went into commercial real estate where I was assistant to the CFO, and I worked there for three years and worked on multi-million dollar projects. I did cash flow forecast investment valuations, business plans. We worked with a lot of international investors, particularly Japanese at the time, and thoroughly enjoyed it. After that period of three years, I went into the serial entrepreneur. I wrote a lot of business plans, helped raise capital. I did international manufacturing with an Israeli partner. I helped start up companies. I helped start up a high-tech company where we built nuclear portable analyzers, and I was there for six years as a CFO. I've helped some companies turn around, and I've helped companies get ready for sale. And for the last 10 years, we had a family business, and we're in the process of selling that. And about a year ago, more so, I decided I was going to get back into real estate because I really thoroughly enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. It really suits my personality. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you focus on now? In terms of real estate? Yeah. I'm looking for the value add because that's what I do best. Those are the properties we purchased when I was at the investment firm. We were kind of looking for the quasi-ugly duckling on the block, the B minus C. C-plus, if you will, class properties. I'm not buying anything in California because economically it just doesn't make sense. So I'm looking outside of California, Midwest, Arizona, Texas, Tennessee, those areas. And I've found some great deals. I made at least three offers in the last 30 days, all of which were rejected. And that's okay, <laughs> but you just keep trying. So that's what I'm focusing on. I'm looking for the value-add opportunity, anything above 30 units, and something that we can go in and do that, as you know, the, the forced appreciation. What's the last property you purchased? Well, that was back in the day. I, currently, I haven't purchased any property since I just started this year looking and ramping things up. So I haven't done anything. I've come close. Like you said, I've put three offers in and came close on one. But it's a very competitive market out there, but that's okay because I kind of look at the real estate market as a multi-story parking garage in the sense that sometimes during the year, it's going to be very busy, a lot of people coming in and out, and some years it's going to be kind of slow. But the point is, is that there's always people entering and exiting the market every day. So mm. the key is to continually, consistently look and keep looking and not give up. Mm -hmm. I like that analogy. I hadn't heard that before. Is that a original Peterism? Yes, it is. Because years ago, they say, well, a good deal in real estate comes around every week. And what I've noticed is that, frankly, now, they're every other day. There are so many people that are entering and a lot of people exiting the market for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some things I mentioned while I was introducing you. I said based on your bio, that you have experience in a lot of different types of commercial real estate investing, one of them including sporting clubs. Can you elaborate on that? The gentleman that I worked for in the commercial real estate bought a Class A building complex, and within the building complex was a gym, if you will, a very high-end gym. And he got the idea that why don't we build some Class A sporting clubs attached to office complexes. And one thing led to another, and he started the concept of freestanding $25 million sporting clubs. These are the high, high-end sporting clubs. And at the peak of the business, we had 10 high-end sporting clubs on the West Coast and on the East Coast. So that's how that idea got started. What is a sporting club exactly? 
it's like a fitness gym. You know some of the more popular ones. Yep. But they cater to the professional, and they're looking to attract the individuals who are willing to spend a lot of money for a extremely well-kept, maintained, full of amenities type sporting club. The amenities in there were sauna, personal trainers, nutritional experts, and class A fitness equipment. It was really quite the luxury gym. And they're all next to a class A office. Did I hear that correct? Yeah, they were targeted for those areas. And what happened to those? Well, during that time, it was the go-go days of real estate, and we were doing investments with a lot of Japanese investors. And towards the end of the third year that I was there, the real estate market started to decline. And the interest in spending $25 million for a sporting club started to decline as well. So they basically lost interest in that. And and the other thing that contributed to it is that we built a $300 million multi-use real estate project here in San Diego. And I was the financial analyst on that project. And it started out at $175 million budget, but it ballooned to 300 because the owner of the commercial real estate started to spend more money than the Japanese investors were comfortable. And so he kind of fell out of grace with that and things kind of spiraled down from there. So it kind of went away. <laughs> but the 175 to 3 million, did that get completed? Yes, it did get completed. It's a beautiful project. It's, it's right next it to the freeway in San Diego. And then it looks like a Tuscany village. It has an office. It's I think a 10 story office with a high branded hotel. There's three restaurants on the pattern. Of course, the sporting club and the pools. It's, it's really quite gorgeous. How do you go from 175 to 300? Change orders. <laughs> you want change orders. Seriously, he would go in and look at things and say, I want to upgrade this, I want to upgrade that. As an example, he was on a trip to Greece and he was going through a museum and he saw a statue and he said, I think that $100,000 statue would look good in the lobby if that gives you an idea of... Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it just got out of control, so to speak. So it was built as a $300 million facility, so that $100,000 statue is in the lobby currently? Oh, yes, it is. And you were the chief financial officer? Did I hear that right? No, I was the senior financial analyst. I worked with the CFO for three years side by side, and I did all the number crunching. I did all the underwriting, investment analysis, cash flow forecasts, and valuation, everything, operational, everything. What are some tips you have for developers who are listening or even fix and flippers who are working on a smaller scale whenever they're undertaking a development type of project? Well, the first thing is, and address this in your book, which I read and I really enjoyed tremendously, and you did a great job on it, is qualify the market. Make sure the market will sustain what you're doing, whether it's developing or flipping or going in and renovating. Make sure that the that you'll get your money back, so to speak. But second to that is you've got to know the numbers. You've got to know them upside, inside, every which way. And you've got to feel very, very comfortable. And if you're not good at it, then by all means, get someone who is. For example, when I was at the commercial real estate development firm, I was running these numbers and I made a mistake. And it was a $30 million mistake because we're dealing with a lot of zeros. Now, it didn't have an impact on anything, but it was very embarrassing and could have turned out to be a problem, but fortunately it didn't. But the thing is, you've got to know the numbers and you've got to get really, really good at knowing what the numbers are, what the costs are on your budget to renovate, what the return is going to be, how long, everything. It's really critical. 
Mm-hmm. The $30 million mistake, what was it exactly? It was another multi-use project that we're looking at. We're doing forecasts and evaluation on it. And it was just a simple, didn't double, triple check the numbers. And it just fell in there. And fortunately, one of the guys saw it and said, hey, this doesn't look right. And so I went back and triple checked and sure enough. But that's the way it is. And over the years, I've built up a repertoire of saving my spreadsheet every two minutes or a major change and really taking the time to carefully check analysis. For my real estate investment, I built a spreadsheet a few months ago and I really, really like it. It does a phenomenal job. But the point being is you can never be complacent with it. You've always got to be diligent and double and triple checking your numbers. When you were building your spreadsheet, what are some aspects of it that you want to make sure it included? Well, of course, what drives it is the revenue. You can play around with the operating expenses and other components, but really one of the key components is the revenue. When I look at a property, I say, okay, what do the rents look right now? I want to know exactly how it sits today and take a picture of it. And then what I did is I built another spreadsheet within the spreadsheet, if you will, that takes the current rents, plugs in the lease expiration date, and then I have the spreadsheet go out two, three, four years, and I put the months in, and I built in a formula that tracks when the lease expires and when I can bump that rent up. So I get a real-world timing and magnitude exposure of when I can realistically bump the rents and what does that revenue look like. And of course, once you get that nailed down, then it affects everything down to the investment return. A lot of people I see say, well, we can go in, we can raise the rents and they'll bump them X percent over a time period. But they never talk about the fact that the leases have different yep. expiration dates on it. Yep. That's a very important variable because if a lot of them are on the back end of the year, then you're missing out on a full seven. year. Yeah, exactly. So you have the months that you can plug in on a rolling basis so you can see how the income will be increased in a realistic way based on the leases. What are some other things that you included? I take the pro forma and use it in the first year. I say, okay, what are the operating expenses currently? Are they reasonable? And so I use those in the first year just to be more realistic in the sense of conservatism, understate revenues, overstate expenses. And then I take averages in terms of operating expenses. What does that look like in terms of per unit? Is it 400 per unit for advertising and marketing? Is it 800 unit make ready and turnover? Whatever. And then I plug in what I think I can do in second year, third year moving forward in terms of the operating expenses. Of course, I keep a capital reserve, operating reserve, because cash is king. And plug in the debt and then look at what the cash flow is, depending upon how the investment structure in terms of the general partner and the limited partner. And I have some sensitivity analysis where I can do some stress testing. What if the net operating income goes up or down? What if the interest rates go up or down? How does that affect the overall return on, on the property? What's really critical for me is to look at the property as it sits today, but also in the second or third year when I start implementing the changes and what do the returns look like? as the project sits as an investment. I'm sure as an employee in these organizations that you mentioned earlier, you're part of a deal that lost money. If that is the case, what happened with that deal? Specifically regards to which one? <laughs> Any of them. In the terms of the commercial real estate side? Yeah, commercial real estate side. 
Well, I'm not sure how to answer that because I left because I got an offer from another company after the third year. And I imagine that they just walked away from it. That's what I heard uh, with your old friends that unfortunately, because of the problems with being over budget, there was no way to recover. Uh, so they, yeah. so they basically... Sorry, I, I was talking about not necessarily that one, the 175, the 300 million one, but just any other deal that you worked on that lost money. Any lessons learned from those deals? What's funny is I haven't worked on a deal that's lost money. I know that sounds really odd, but as an example, the properties that I bought in the investment firm, because we bought them right the first time, and this is one of the key things about buying any kind of investment, is making money going into the deal. We would buy them below market in, in many aspects, and we just simply bought them right. We bought them in a very smart way. So I just don't have any experience in that in the sense of any bad deals. Well, that's great. We'd love to hear that, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> when you take a look at your experience working with high net worth individuals at the very first company you work for, what are some lessons you learned by working with them? Speak plainly and simply. But sometimes we want to be sophisticated and we feel that these investors are very smart because they got where they got because they worked hard and they were very smart. But what's really critical is just to be very transparent, very open and completely honest and work hard. And building that trust is the number one important aspect of the entire relationship. You want to do business with people you trust. And when they see that you're disclosing everything that you possibly can and you're answering all of their questions as best as you can and know that you're committed to preserving their capital and growing their investment and getting their return on investment, then it gives them a tremendous comfort level and they'll want to work with you and continually work with you. So that's what I observe. They're great people and they appreciate the honesty. How'd you end up working with so many international investors at the commercial real estate firm that you worked at on your second job? The reason why is because we hired a Japanese consultant because at the time, the Japanese banks were very interested in the United States commercial real estate market. We worked with a number of banks like Nisho EY, Long-Term Credit Bank of Japan, a few of those, and they, at that time, were simply investing in it. And they're offering incredibly low, very favorable interest rates and loan-to-value, loan-to-construction costs. So it was very advantageous. Based on your experience, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Create a vision of what you want to do. Put together a plan, write it out, and work on it every day. And don't give up. Don't give up. Just be consistent and learn from others, find a mentor, but just keep working at it. And your skill level will grow, your experience will grow, your wisdom will grow, and you'll meet people and opportunities will open up to you and it will happen, but you got to stick with it and keep at it. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I am. All right, let's do it. First, quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? 
The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's D-W-E-L-L-Y-N-N.com forward slash show. Best ever book you've recently read? Oh, heavens. I know this is a shameless plug, but I really enjoyed your book. Oh, <laughs> I really I'm did. Glad it, to hear it that. Was, it was quite good. Very- you talk, you're talking about the syndication book? Yes, the best ever syndication book. Excellent book. What's the best ever way you like to give back to the community? I have a very unique skill set, and if I can help in that sense, I've been involved as a serial entrepreneur for quite a long time. And just yesterday, I was having a conversation with a gentleman who's part of a pharmaceutical company, and they're, they're starting up the company and started asking a lot of questions. And I was very happy to help answer some of those questions. So if I can help somebody in some way and kind of be a blessing in their life, that's what I love to do. Best ever deal you've participated in? My wife and I bought a three-bedroom condo about 15 years ago out of foreclosure. We paid $50,000 for it, and it was a mess. You cannot believe how trashed it was, but we saw beyond it. We went in, and we purchased it. We put in about 20000 I went in and did 90% of the work myself because every home that we moved in with my father, we always did construction and remodeling. And then we had a friend come in and do the kitchen. And then a year, year and a half later, we sold it for 150000 Best way the best of listeners can learn more about you? I'm building the website. I formed a holding LLC, which we're going to use to acquire the properties. But the website I have right now is at pnoblock.com. It gives you some background on what I've done and what I do. Peter, thank you so much for being on the show, talking about your experience in real estate, what you're focused on now, the 175 to $300 million development that didn't go according to plan and we talked about the reasons why and also the spreadsheet that you created putting months in there that reflect when the leases expire so you can actually see what time frame exactly that you're going to be able to get the rent premiums and so thanks for being on the show oh by the way does that take into account the time it takes you to renovate those units so it's might expire on the 21st of september but you might not actually get the premium until October the 15th? Yes, it does. It does take into consideration that. So thanks for bringing that up. Well, very cool. Peter, I hope you have the best ever day. Talk to you again soon. Thank you again, Joe. I really appreciate having me on. Thank you. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin' Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's D-W-E-L-L-Y-N-N.com forward slash show. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference bec20.com.